It's good to be with you all this evening. We're so glad that you came out in this dreary evening. But we are here about one thing, the Christ child. Amen? I want to read to you a passage of Scripture. Tonight I'm going to talk about the glory of the star. But in Psalms 19, verses 1 through 6, the Word of God says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show His handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language with their, which their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and all their words to the end of the world. And in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, its circuit to the other end. There is nothing hidden from its heat. May God be blessed through the reading of his word. There is much speculation as we talk about the star. Star is prominent in the Christmas story. In fact, I often joke and say that sometimes I have found sometimes there's greater theology in the comic strips than in sometimes the theological books I've read. And one time I was watching a TV special, and as I was watching it, it was a familiar character, but at the very end, a star appeared. And it caused me to go in search of what might be the belief or the nature of the creator of that particular comic strip. And so I began to seek it out, to find out, and I come to learn that one of my favorite comics was B.C., Johnny Hart. He's the creator. And Johnny Hart, if you know, is a Christian. And every year when he would do Christmas, he would always present the star in the form of a cross, signifying, again, his personal belief that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And throughout the time that Johnny Hart drew comics, I come to see deeper and deeper into his belief, because he not only shared it at Christmas, he shared it at Easter, and he shared it at different times. So much that a whole book has been written that displays Johnny Hart's belief. Johnny passed away several years ago, and his son Mason, grandson, I should say, Mason, has taken up the comic strip. And Mason has continued his grandfather's legacy at showing that star at particular times, giving the significance of what that star meant, the birth of Jesus Christ. But not only starting with the birth and ending with the birth, but going through to Calvary and salvation. There's much speculation, as we know, about the stars, whether they're planetary alignments, comets, all kinds of things. It's interesting when we talk about, I don't get into the hype of all those things. I let God reveal to me the simplicity of things. By the way, Bob, do me a favor since you're sitting over there. Tell that shepherd I am here tonight. If you were here this morning, you know why. God does things in ways that you and I don't do. 
He says his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And sometimes they defy our manner of thinking. When we think about how he announced the birth of Jesus, especially on that very night, he chose to go to lowly shepherds who were watching their flocks, as we know, in the fields. And he made that grand announcement through the angelic voice, the chorus of those angels. And only the shepherds heard it. You would think that if a loud chorus of angels were singing, that little town of Bethlehem would have heard. And just as we heard, in many ways it was an ordinary night. And it went on being an ordinary night. There wasn't a lot of commotion. You know, when we think of the birth of Jesus, we think that all of a sudden everybody clamored and everybody moved to see the babe. But that wasn't the case. A baby was born. People went about their business. They were there, many of them were not from Bethlehem themselves. They were there just to be counted, to be taxed. Okay? They didn't care whether a baby was born or not. Let alone had it been born in a, in a house. It was born in a stable. And that meant all the more. Oh, that means nothing to us. But God made that spectacular announcement to those shepherds that night. And on that same night, and as we already heard, we don't know when the wise men began their trek to Bethlehem. But the Scripture tells us that they did. And eventually they wound up in Bethlehem. But what prompted them and what guided them was a star. A star. And it's interesting, I think, that none of Judea, let alone the rest of the world, noticed this particular star. But these wise men, whether they were two, three, a hundred, we don't know. We say three because it seems simple enough. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And maybe it was just that simple. But they were the only witnesses to that star. And so when we see what was transpiring that night, God was doing something miraculous. God was doing something out of the ordinary. As I mentioned this morning, God had laid out a plan. That plan happened long ago. From the very beginning, He laid out what it was that He was going to do. He told Himself, if you would, what I'm going to do. The Scripture tells us that in the book of Galatians, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born of a virgin. To come into the world in the fullness of time. That means when the time was right. You're baking a souffle. The time has to be right, doesn't it? For that perfection. And God said, I'm going to do things in order and in decency, and my timing will be right. Interestingly enough, when Jesus was born, the world power at that time was Rome. And for the first time, really, in the great portion of the history of the world, the world knew peace. 
There wasn't, there was small factions going on. There was little battles going on. But for the greater part, Rome was keeping the peace. It was known as Pax Romana, peace of Rome. Their military was strong and would suppress any uprising. This is one of the fears that they had when Jesus was going to be crucified. They feared that that the commotion that was going to happen would bring down the wrath of Rome. And they figured it was easier to sacrifice one than it was to see a battle ensue. And so they chose to sacrifice Jesus. But in God's plan. There's an old saying that all, all roads lead to Rome. But in truth and reality, all roads led from Rome. Rome had controlled many things. They had organized and had a centralized language. Latin was the language that was used in Roman administration. Greek was the business language. The Hebrews used their language, Hebrew, within their context of their rituals. But you could go anywhere in the world and you could communicate with anyone by speaking the languages that Rome had prompted. And so it made it easy. God had prepared a place. Long before the birth of Jesus, the name Bethlehem was chosen for a small town at the very end of Judea. And in a town that would be the city of David, but would be known as the house of bread. And then one would come one day and say, I am the bread of life. He prepared a parentage. He prepared a young woman. He mentioned in Isaiah, a young woman would give birth. And he went as far even to say, I will choose the name. His name shall be Emmanuel. He chose Someone to serve as an earthly father who would give the Son of God an earthly occupation. Jesus would become known as a carpenter after his earthly father, Joseph. And so all of that was there on display for people to see. And still it missed. The coming of the Messiah was missed by many. The testimony was there for all to see. But by far the greatest testimony comes out of the heavens itself. And God said this on the fourth day when he created. He said, let there be light. And out of the darkness was created light. And in that creation, he said that the lights in the firmament of the heavens were to divide the day and the night. And they were to be signs and seasons for the days and the years. The word signs God used for the heavens. There's been, like I said, all kinds of speculation about what the star was. Astronomers will argue from now until Jesus comes again. And they won't agree. Theologians will debate. But you know, there's one thing that I believe that cannot be ignored. 
about who and what God has done. It is the Shekinah, the glory of God, that God continually showed His people. We need to remember that Jesus' birth was the ultimate coming of the presence of God in the midst of His people. God Himself gave us testimony, I believe, of what the star was. He made His presence known to Moses in a burning bush that was not consumed. He allowed Moses to see the backside as he passed and kept Moses in the cleft of the rock. He would eventually expose his face to Moses. And they could not look upon even Moses' face because Moses' face was embedded when he came down off of Sinai with, it says, the Shekinah of God, the glory of God, that to speak to the people, he had to put a veil across his face. When the Israelites were moving through the wilderness, there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire that led them for 40 years. When Jesus was transfigured, he shone with a light, Scripture tells us, as bright as the sun. When a man by the name of Saul, the persecutor of the Christians at that time, the, the persecutor of the apostles, was on his road to way to Damascus on the, that road. He encountered Jesus. And only he saw him. God's ability to shine bright when he so desires is his glory. The Shekinah of glory, the glory of God, denotes the visible presence of God himself. And when we think of that light, I think it's better to think of it as a specially prepared light. If God went to such great length to prepare the place, the parentage, the people, the languages, all those things that surrounded the birth of Christ, could He have not? Could He have not prepared that star, that spectacular star? The astronomer Sherman Kagan and theologian Ken Boa, who have written a manuscript called The Star of the Magi. They have come to that conclusion that the star was special because of what God was able to do. Relating to some of the things that I just shared with you, because when we look at Scripture again itself, we see that only Paul heard the voice of God on the road to Damascus. He was with others. Yet they did not know what was going on. Only Moses was allowed to go up to the top of Mount Sinai and visit with God. Only Peter, James, and John witnessed the transfiguration. The other apostles were there, but they didn't see. Perhaps the meaning of the star is only revealed to the Magi. And they... Saw it as a star. Well, I don't know what the star was. But I know it had glory. And the star is going to remain a mystery. And I think it's that beautiful mystery of the star that allows us to see the glory in it. No doubt, 
the star was the babe in Bethlehem. The one who would grow up and become the perfect lamb. The one who would atone for the sins of the world. That's why we're here this evening. The commotion of everything that we do at this time of year is centered around primarily because, again, Jesus came into this world. Oh, there'll be those who want to debate, well, that's he wasn't born into... You know what? I don't get into that. I know he was born. And I hold to that truth. And the glory of God shines bright in the hearts and the lives of those who continue to follow him this day. And so, because of that Shekinah, we saw the image of God himself through the person of Jesus Christ. The one who came. The one who made perfect atonement, as I said, for all of mankind's sins. And he promised to come again. His first advent was glorious and pronounced through his birth. And we look forward to that second coming 